1: Forgot how to do this.
0: <laughs> Apparently we were supposed to do a podcast last Tuesday and uh well they thought Heather had died in a plane crash, but it was a different plane. No, that's not true. That's
1: that's horrible. It's so funny. When we started this a little over a year ago now, we were doing like four of these a week. And now we can hardly do one. Uh-huh. The, it's the, the truth what is, happens when COVID calms down and life happens, and you
0: have four kids. The truth is, we just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing it today. This is the fiftieth, no, fifty-second, uh,
1: fifty-second
0: addiction podcast. So and, last
1: week would have marked a year.
0: Yep. Oh man, that's bad that we missed that. But anyway, so this <laughs> was the sixth safe of, drugs of the safe drugs. In that should be in quotes. I gotta say, my daughter-in-law is pretty depressed that we're ruining all these drugs
1: yeah i finally came up with what our seventh drug was going to be i thought at some point we're going to have to like run out of drugs but you know i'm listening to this thing that we have to do for training 12 hours on psychopharmacology and
0: there's some other ones the
1: first one he just talked about we're doing next week so stay tuned we're talking about amitriptyline cool look at that we actually knew our next drug at the see we might be a week late but we're gonna be ready to go next week anyway For it. So this
0: is a uh, a medication, Emodium, or, wow, well, we can't use the trade name, Lopiramide.
1: Oh, yeah. This was, uh, was s- going, yeah, you
0: put that on there. It's synthesized <laughs> at Janssen Pharmaceutical by none other than- It's, it's
1: Johnson
0: Johnson. J- Johnson. It's probably Janssen. It's
1: Janssen because I just listened to how to give the Janssen COVID vaccine and it's Janssen.
0: Janssen. And it was actually, <laughs> Paul Janssen came up with it. In 1969. 1969. Yeah.
1: So it was FDA approved in 1976, so I don't know. You were, what, in college running 100 miles a
0: week? No, I was uh, a sophomore in high school.
1: Running 100 miles a week.
0: And uh,
1: I was negative six.
0: <laughs> it was a Schedule Five drug, actually, in 1977. In 1980s, it became the best-selling anti-diarrhea drug. It just pushed. prescribed Well, prescribed. Damn. It just pushed everything else out of the way. Nope. No pun intended, really.
1: (laughs) It sucked it all back in. but uh, It was solidified.
0: (laughs) But anyway, uh, so it became over-the-counter in 1988.
1: So how it works. Do I Mm. get to talk? Mm -hmm. Okay. So mechanism of action, although I have a tangent, if you don't mind. Oh, God. Listening to this dude, Dr. Buff. Look, that was a shout-out. The whole mechanism action thing is actually what we therapeutically use the drug for. So like the therapeutic reason that we use this drug is because of the decreased intestinal motility associated with the opioid immune receptors. However, there's this whole other long list of what drugs also do. Those are called the side effects. Uh. The things that the drug also does that you aren't purposely therapeutically using it for. Anyway, we'll get to that when we talk about amitriptyline next week. You're all excited about
0: that. I'm not going to sleep, so uh, so it does it in the in the bowel. Of course, it it binds to these mu receptors, and it's interesting because I don't know if we talk about that specifically right away, but it does not cross the blood bre- blood brain barrier easily to to Ooh. attach to those other mu receptors.
1: Ooh, that's not working.
0: There, yeah, but that, uh, that's a. Foreshadow. Yeah. So it's interesting that it, it just doesn't get across. And we'll talk about that because there are things that people do to help that.
1: Right. So it results in, obviously, this decreased in intestinal motility. It also affects the water and the electrolyte movement in the bowel. You know, sucks some of that back in therefore Le- solidifying.
0: Electrolyte movement. <laughs> that seemed a little, I, I would say maybe f- flux or I'm something. I'm pretty sure you wrote this. Yeah, I did. And
1: then it inhibits the peristaltic muscle spasms.
0: Yeah. And it's actually metabolized, uh, you know, relatively slowly, hangs around, uh, which, you know, the half-life around 10 hours. Because
1: everything is slowed down.
0: Yeah, when people take mega doses of this, I mean, they talk about how it lasts a long time.
1: Mm -hmm. Peak levels is at five hours, but it's eliminated with oxidative N-demethylation.
0: Yeah, I could probably draw that out, but I'll spare you. And, of course, uh, the P450. Well, these isoenzymes play an important role. In that whole methylation, so
1: but wait for it, ready? Go ahead. Cliffhanger. It's eliminated in the feces.
0: I kind of assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of assumed it. Mm. So its FDA approval is actually for control and symptomatic relief of acute non-specific diarrhea and chronic diarrhea associated with IBD. And also, this is interesting. Actually, I didn't know uh, this. I didn't either. Uh, it's it's actually. Uh, also used to just decrease the output of an ileostomy.
1: I mean, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Less stuff.
1: So there's not really much or any off-label uses. This is like what you're supposed to use it for. I know people obviously, while we're doing this as a quote-unquote safe drug, there's obviously going to be some other uses, but people aren't prescribing it or recommending it for other things. So normal doses, is kind of in a weird spot, but 8 milligrams maximum total daily dose. You start to get some of these weird CNS symptoms, which we will talk about in a minute. At anywhere between five, fifty and three hundred milligrams,
0: you know it's funny because they talk about contraindications, and, and I would think constipation would be one, <laughs> but it doesn't list that. It doesn't anyway, list, it's yeah. But uh, abdominal pain. So if you have abdominal pain with the diarrhea, you probably with, should with pull back. Without diarrhea. Oh, I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. You did. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can't use it under age two. That seems pretty common sense.
1: Um, and you should not use it for the primary therapy. And I re- I will never, I honestly have never recommended Imodium because of these reasons. Just be the fear of what if, like acute dysentery, not that that happens around here, but acute ulcerative colitis, which you usually know that ahead of time. But this is why I don't ever recommend Imodium in case it's Salmonella, Shigella, or Campylobacter. Well, it can't flow back to wrong there, but you do not want to use amodium in these drugs because it keeps those toxins associated with these infections in the gut longer and can make you more sick.
0: Yeah. And if you have C. diff, right. That'd be a problem.
1: Pseudomembranous colitis.
0: So, since I've never been pregnant, can you take this in pregnancy, Dr. No, you pregnancy should. Pregnancy Bell.
1: It's category C, which means no one's really studied it, so they don't recommend it.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, not a lot of off label stuff. I mean, we just. I didn't come across Mm -mm. one thing really, Um, but it has a lot of interesting drug interactions. I think that's the the interesting part that actually plays into how people misuse it. Um, You know, some of the common drugs it's like quinine and ritonavir. Some of these ones we're hearing in the news now with COVID, not COVID, and all these different things. Yeah, just these. Yeah, yeah. So
1: things we don't really prescribe a lot of, but. I love the side effects. And actually I was kind of surprised and maybe you just don't know how to write so I can read it, but only 5% of people get constipated from it
0: at normal doses. I was doses. just,
1: just going to say, I'm assuming when you read If you them. take 20
0: times the normal dose, yeah, you may have a little trouble. Um, but yeah, dizziness, nausea. Mm. So can and this is kind of off in the weeds. I, I You hate. get to do this part yeah, because it, it's kind of confusing. But I like it. It's cool. But one of the interesting things is when they were looking at this drug and they were trying to decide whether or not you could become a, addicted, truly have dependence on, on Imodium. Actually, in some of the stuff I was reading, it said that they uh, they had done the Naloxone Challenge Pupil Test.
1: So I like this. This is a historical thing. I yeah. mean, it's it's far history because this happened before I was even born.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I came across this paper which talked about the Naloxone Challenge Test. And basically... Uh, treatment places would use naloxone to tell whether or not somebody really had an addiction to opioids or mostly heroin.
1: Before they started them in methadone yeah. treatment In
0: programs. case they were faking it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just walking around faking opioid addiction. Um, but yeah, so they, and they actually said this in the paper that they, they started using this to kind of weed out patients that wanted to be admitted to treatment but weren't appropriate. So if they induced a horrible withdrawal, then they would treat it with methadone. And if they got nothing, uh, for instance, they didn't, you know, they didn't dilate their pupils, the whole deal, uh, then they didn't take them into treatment. So basically, with people who had been taking continuous emodium, they gave them the Narcan challenge, and interestingly, they had no symptoms, uh, they had no withdrawal, and they decided that there was no true dependence to Imodium or Right, addiction. it didn't
1: have the same, even though they knew it acted on the mu receptors in the gut. Yeah. That's loud, and that's at
0: normal. That's at normal doses.
1: Correct. So, yeah, very interesting. So, how do people abuse it? Well, typically, it's males. They just twenty five to thirty four. Mostly, people abuse it by just taking it orally. I do like this next one. Two thousand twelve, a guy made an extract with vodka and mixed it with cannabis and smoked it, and he did get what he described as a mild opioid like high.
0: Yeah. And, a, and there's lots of different ways. You know, there, there's actually this study that's done by Gumman et al. Guman, I don't know. Gumman? Like your gums? Gumman? Right, yeah. Um, but it was a, he actually did a study on intentional exposures just to see what they were getting and experiencing at the poison control. And in fact, what they what they found between 2010 and 2015, that it actually went up almost 100% the number of calls they were getting.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. Intentional. Yeah. And actually, if you look back into like 2003 and four or whatever, there was like six or eight calls a year. That's it was it. that low. Yeah. Huh. And all of a sudden in the 2010, but think about when the opioid.
1: Right. And we'll get to that. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't necessarily wanting to be abused for itself, but to help with the withdrawal. So.
0: You know, we really didn't talk about, um, and I should just mention this too, at these doses, some of the side effects that can happen, especially the QTC.
1: No, it comes in here.
0: Oh, you have it in there? I didn't see it.
1: Oh, maybe I don't. Oh, it no, didn't, it didn't make it. it but, didn't make it. But the biggest oh.
0: toxicity issue is actually the whole issue with uh, getting these cardiac toxicity.
1: No, that's the very last article we talk about.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> so keep going let's talk about the online forums. Yeah,
1: so often, like kind of just alluded to, uses for used for opioid withdrawal. So, you know, the average suggested dose online was, you know, maybe take 70, although people are taking 100 to 200 typically to help with their opioid withdrawal. And uh, at, at one point, 25% of the posts on these online forums discussed this euphoric effect or analgesia, quote, to the poor man's methadone. So, you know, kind of that maintenance or help to withdraw off of their drug of choice.
0: Yeah, and as I kind of I kind of page through Reddit and Arrowwood, I always say Arrowwood, but it's er How do you say that?
1: I always say Arrowhead. But Arrowhead? It,
0: it doesn't seem like it should be that way. But uh, there was all these things about the different drugs that would lower the metabolism or somehow change it so that the levels of the uh, loperamide would go higher. And uh, it's interesting, omeprazole, cimetidine, gemfibrazole, these are not drugs that are that difficult to get, especially omeprazole. And they can increase the plasma concentration significantly, two or three times.
1: Right, and then there's other drugs that can also increase the plasma levels, although in a little bit different mechanism, um, corticosteroids, ketoconazole, fluoxetine, citalopram.
0: Yeah, and on these online things, people uh, would basically say, hey, I pretreated myself with cimetidine. Or I pre treated myself with omeprazole for a couple of days and then did it. Just so that they get better dosing. Interesting. Yeah. Uh the street name, of course, is pretty cool. Lope. Lope. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they call it on all the online things. Is Lope or Lopes?
1: Well, whatever. What so why why are people doing it? One, I mean I think it's pretty obvious it's over-the-counter, so it's easy to get. Um, but what are, what's the purpose? What are they trying to achieve? Um, so the effects you can expect, and you know, I think you found this on Psychonaut. So it's less intensive euphoria than opioids. can help suppress anxiety, can potentiate dreams, can create some sleepiness. Uh, I love this. Creativity enhancement.
0: Man, you need that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and then on Arrowwood, uh, there was actually this guy, and he talked to – I read this his online post, and he was talking about how it really was kind of, it's so slow. You know, again, the half-life is, I'm sorry, uh, the half-life <laughs> is about 10 hours. And so it takes a couple hours for it to really kick in and reach those levels where you start to feel it. And he said, so uh, the problem was it took hours to kick in. He didn't have a bowel movement for days, and he slept a lot. And he says, and I quote, if you're looking for a buzz, look elsewhere. Uh, and he also commented how it, he just felt groggy for days. Yeah. It took a while. And so obviously the experiences are different, uh, depending on how much people take, but a lot of the people on there just didn't think it was that awful great.
1: Right. So more for, again, the withdrawal, not necessarily for its own high. Yeah. But I guess if you're, you know, back to the whole corrections thing, we don't specifically talk about it in this specific drug, but you know, if you're in withdrawal, going into corrections or getting put in and getting booked in, you know, getting ammonia might help you help with some of your withdrawal. But. Yeah.
0: And that was one of the, and I would say half the posts uh, that I saw on Airwood were about using it for withdrawal of just about every drug, even Suboxone, when people are trying to get off Suboxone. Hmm.
1: So. so talk about this guy from Reddit that you found, oh, how man. he used it.
0: <laughs> he wrote a book. And he talked about how he'd used loperamide a gazillion different ways. He'd used it anally, put it in his rectum. He'd uh, solubilized it and gave it to himself IV. And then at the end of that, he says, but the reality is it was just way better when I took it orally and I was kind of wasting my time those other ways. Uh, But it's not water-soluble. So interestingly, most of the people online that were doing odd things with it were putting in some kind of alcohol like vodka or something like that.
1: Crazy. So, tell me about this guy or the the post you found about the grapefruit juice, black pepper. Yeah what what's that?
0: Those are also things that slow down the metabolism. Hmm. And so, a lot of people would say, oh, I I drank it with a big glass of grapefruit juice, and then I, and and then I mixed pepper in there, uh, or they you know they just had interesting ways, or they again they take Omeprazole, uh, but lots of those about how the different drugs they would take. There was only one post on all of these things where somebody uh, turned it into a powder and snorted it, uh, and it, he didn't ex- describe that as m- much of a help. Again, I think far and away it's it's oral. Right. I mean, it's
1: because you got to take it in high doses anyway, and I don't know how you can take a super super duper high dose to overcome that. Blood-brain barrier issue and yeah, snorting it.
0: The funny part is, on all of those posts, a lot of people talked about the blood-brain barrier. That people said, "Oh, you know, you got to get to 100 milligrams before you get by the blood-brain barrier, or you need to take this drug to get it by the blood-brain barrier." Isn't that great? So people talked about that.
1: So there weren't, you know. One of the things, obviously, we've done a lot longer is opioids and opioid use disorder is, of course, the thing that has taken more lives than anything. Gosh, did you see that stat from with the annual, the year ending in June of 2020 or July of 2020? So it was like this random 12-month thing that overlapped COVID more substantially. The amount of deaths from overdoses went to up to 83%, or 83,000 that year. Wow. So like we jumped, but anyway, so trying to look at how this really relates to opioid use disorder. You did find this article from 2018 that I found super interesting.
0: Actually, I think it was 2019.
1: I'm pretty sure it's at 18, but that's okay. It's right in front of you.
0: Okay, but anyway, <laughs> maybe it was 18. Uh, but they talked a little bit about the cardiac toxicity uh, and really at those high doses, uh, and that that whole uh, CNS issue. That that's really what you have to do to get it by the, you know, by that blood brain barrier. Um, most of the complications of high dose loperamide are really cardiotoxicity doc- and death. I mean, that's that QT prolongation, and man, they they had a lot. There's a lot written about that. Uh, lots of deaths uh, from that over the years. Uh, but typically, when you're looking at the deaths, they were you know 80 and above. Mm.
1: And this this article, it's it's interesting because they they actually described this patient that had this abrupt cessation of this high dose loperamide use. So long term high dose and actually had this withdrawal-like symptoms. So, again, kind of like your Narcan test in a way, but they actually treated it with buprenorphine, and they described it as likely the first use of buprenorphine for treatment of loperamide-associated opioid use disorder.
0: Yeah, it was a case report. So they, they felt they were the first people that had done it. Interesting. So that's loperamide.
1: There you go. Uh,
0: next week, amitriptyline.
1: Amitriptyline, the hardest word to spell ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like Amityville Horror Horror.
1: Oh, man, we could talk a long time about that, but we won't. So anyway, we'll talk to you next week. Sorry again about, about last week's little siesta, but we're yeah. back.
0: And Battle Lakes is back. Thanks for listening.
2: Well, I went down to the local arena and asked to see the manager man. Came from his office, said son, can I help you? I looked at him and said, Yes you can. Yeah, I wanna drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I wanna drive the Zamboni. Yes I do Since I was young, it's been my dream That I might drive the Zamboni machine I'd get that ice just as slick as can be And all the kids would look up to me Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni Yes, I do You said, son, I know it looks keen. But that right there's one expensive machine. And I got Smokey, who's been driving for years. About that time, I broke down in tears. Cause I wanna drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I wanna drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni, yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni, yes I do. Hey, thanks for hanging with on Friday. A smell Friday. Friday. We're only a on Mines. You can sign up for the email list if you want to get reminded. Did you guys ever, did you guys ever ride a Zamboni? Dr- drive? No. Riding, riding is probably not as good as driving it. When I haven't. Wasn't allowed. I drove a lawnmower before and I drove a a car. Pack of wild horses. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I drove a van into my dad's tree one year. Oh. I snapped it off. That was a good one. That was a good, was a good day. Hope Hope the van's okay. <laughs> See ya.